All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. This is our audio podcast where we talk everything in the world of movie and television. Like always, I'm here with Richard and Raymond. I should say my name is Mike. Uh, so let's t- let's just get into it. Uh, we got a couple of headlines and we're going to be talking about some new releases. For instance, Raymond got, got the chance to see John Wick 4. Does it have a subtitle? Or it has a, it's like, no. no, okay. John Wick 4, a big spectacle. Uh, and it was a big hit this past weekend. Also, you got also Raymond. You also got a chance to see a sneak peek of uh, the Dungeon and Dragons movie, uh, Honor Among Thieves, which is a big kind of hyped up uh, fantasy uh, film, kind of based on the mm-hmm. the tabletop uh, role playing game. Um, but let's get into headlines because we, we we talked about some of the things that happened last week. We got to do some follow up. Uh, we got a little bit more news about the firing of, of Victoria Alonso. And it, it, in, in fact, it was a firing. That's what it seems to be. And according to uh, some reports, it's, it's, it seems to be a, a centered around her Oscar-nominated movie, Argentine 1985, where she was a, a executive producer. And that kind of, according to Disney, that was a, a breach of contract, a contract dispute She's coming back and saying, that's bullshit. That, that's not what it is. This is something about her being, quote unquote, silence because she's a Latina. She's an openly gay woman. Uh, I, I think some, somewhere in the middle, it's, there's a, a truth. I, think, uh, I don't think it's all about, about this kind of breach of contract because apparently she, they must have known that she was going to work on this movie. I don't know. What's your feelings about this new news that, that, that she was fired from uh, Marvel? Well, regardless, Marvel um, has a right to fire anybody involved in Marvel right now because the, the, what, what I mean, everyone's failing. Their grade right now, as far as being, you know, if, if it's like a school grade, mm-hmm. it's definitely an F. Right. I mean, that Ant-Man release is, is uh, horrible uh, financially and, you know, uh, taste wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just. Uh, and someone's got to be put to blame and, and it's got to be someone, uh, you know, who's, who gets a big paycheck out of it. And mm-hmm. that's her. And unfortunately it's her. And, or, or and, and, or and I'm, I'm not, hmm? or Feige. No, but Feige has enough, you know, in his, of course has enough to, uh, I think Feige to, should, to, you know, should take a, a, a good amount of, of, you oh, know, they all deserve uh, hits. Right. They right. all deserve. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would you know, say, I, I mean, the reason I say Feige is because every time I hear, hear a writer or, or director, they always say that they have talked to Feige and he is the guy who's still in charge and still in, 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 um, yeah, he's still making he's still, the, making the calls. And so I, the I haven't overall, overall. Yeah. Right. But to get back to this Victoria Alonso thing, I don't know. It's, it just seems like this is very much about a bad blood between these, you know, her and, and Disney. Uh, there's a lawsuit pending. She's going to, you know, I'm sure she wants money, you know, um, you know, or pay out her contract or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and so she's threatening to sue. I, I don't know. It, it just seems like typical corporate nonsense, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, this is not the same, uh, like the firing of James Gunn with his Twitter responses. That firing came oh. out of the blue. <laughs> You're right. Victoria Alonso. Yeah, I mean, this is this is not the same situation. Mm-hmm. This is uh, 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 what she did at the Oscars mm-hmm. was just an it's it's probably a good excuse to to fire her, which is true. It's probably a good excuse to get out of her contract because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure um, she had a longer contract involved. So if if 
They could use what that. Exactly, what exactly did she do at the Oscars with her? She she produced Argentina in 1985 or nineteen eighty. Right. She's right. a she's one of the producers of Argentina in 1985, which was a, which nominated for Best Foreign Film that year. But at the yeah. same time, back Black Panther, what kind of forever was nominated, you know, uh, uh, for special effects and, and, um, or was it nominated for special effects? I'm not sure, but it definitely, uh, uh Angela Bassett was nominated. Mm-hmm. So she went to the Oscars, uh, representing as, as the producer of Argentina in 1985, which I guess made a lot of people at Disney pissed off. And I think, I think, you know, it must, it must I think it's a, a breach of contract because it's, it was, it's promoting another, another movie. It, it's 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 being distributed by Amazon, yeah, Amazon, and so it's basically kind of promoting a movie a, for a rival streaming service, and so she that's so stupid. <laughs> well, well I, I, that's what I'm saying. If she think, was a regular employee, it, it's probably no problem. But she's uh, a president, basically, right. or whatever she was. She, she uh, so it's like it's so, like I don't know. But for it, me, it's like. You know, it's like Ronald I, McDonald going to Burger King to get a burger. <laughs> it's, it's the same it's thing. It's like Stan Lee it's, saying, like, let me, I, I did write a, a, a DC book. Let me promote, promote yeah. that book or something. But I, I, like you're saying, I think, I think Disney already knew this. Disney, Disney so probably already. If, 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 I, if I go to like Jim Lee and ask him to sign like an X-Men thing, like that's like, you know, I, I get kicked out of the convention or whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I mean, Jim Lee has hopped. I mean. It depends. It really depends on how the contract is. And that's what I'm saying. This is kind of all. all you to see. me, it just seems, it seems stupid. Yeah. I mean, it feels, it, 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 if, if I were her, sp- I'd be pissed. And I don't even like her. I think she should be fired, but for other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but I, for, I, I, I think I think everyone at Marvel should be fired, including Kevin Feige. Well, I think I think they're using this Argentine 1985 incident or whatever as a reason to fire her. And I think. I think the real the real story is that her mishandling of the the, the special effects uh, team. I think that's the yeah. real story because you hear you know leading up to uh, Ant Man, the release of Ant Man that 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 the special effects team have been working over you know overstressed overworked and they have been producing just probably mediocre stuff or not not a quality that you would want for a, for a special effects team because there's so many projects you know not just the marvel films but also the marvel tv shows and it's been and that's all her that's she is the uh, she is the the overseer of the production side of of these marvel pro- uh, properties and i think because of the special effects uh people and they they have a, a horrible relationship with her they you know there was some uh reports that that that, that they don't like her uh she is too too uh demanding and, 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 uh, and then there was this report that, that she has a blacklist. So if you don't mm-hmm. like to work with her, she will put you on a blacklist and then we'll never work with you again. And having that blacklist or that black mark on your, on your, uh, on your resume makes you basically, uh, you know, persona, persona non grata in, in this industry. So, cause you know, Disney has a tremendous amount of power. And so you're not working as much as, as everyone else. So. She had a lot of power. Uh, she has a lot of power to wield, and she used it. And I think that's why there's a lot of people in the effects industry that kind of are happy to see her go. But uh, and I think Disney kind of knows this, and and I think they're trying to mend a kind of relationship with the effects team because I think there's some rumblings right now about union a unionizing to make a union of the effects team. And I think Marvel's. I mean, I think yeah, Marvel is very scared about that. I don't think they want the special effects uh, artists and crew members to unionize, 
make a union uh, because that would stop a lot of productions. It would actually maybe grind to a, a halt. I mean, they're already kind of well, fearing maybe, the, the, the writer's strike. To, What's that? I mean, those people are, those, those guys are being screwed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they need to unionize. They need to do something. They yeah. can't continue with what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, the whole, uh, all of Hollywood right now is kind of, um, Hollywood should feel bad about what they're doing to these people. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think that's, you know, I think that's the, the thing that people should really focus on with, uh, Victoria Alonso and, you know, not necessarily kind of the whole kind of diverse and, you know, in, you know, identity thing that she brings to the table. And I think that's all kind of phony anyway. I think she's just using that to enhance her career anyway. But I think people should really focus well, our, on Argentina in 1985 looked like a really good movie. It, it did. And she could be, I'm sure she's a really good producer, you know, I, I, I'm, I, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm probably going to check out, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, pre- I'm, I'm going to check out Arge- Argentina in 1985. I, I wanted to check it out. It's available now but, on Amazon, but um, but according to her, she went to Marvel to to ask the, to produce the film ahead of time, right? Yeah, and they gave her the okay, right? But I'm pretty sure they they thought that uh, they had just meant um, executive. Producer. Well, they so, said that there there were some stipulations that she couldn't promote it, which I guess she did promote some at some some incidents incidences that she did promote it, and she shouldn't. Uh, and you know, there was things about certain things. There was certain guidelines she had to follow and she said she stepped over it i don't know i don't know who, who's uh, who's right or who's wrong when they, when it's you were dealing with this type of stuff but i think yeah, it's, and it's only been it's only been a year mm-hmm. since their their promotion too so it's, right 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 I, I don't know i mean i think i think it, it's, it's it's interesting she's the only one who got fired where i think i think you're right i think a lot of people should get fired for for what's mm-hmm. going on at marvel right now but i guess there's no really anyone especially the writer <laughs> yeah yeah but, the writers but they're kevin feige's best friend yeah i know so that's he the should thing. be fired too that's the thing yeah well i don't know and it's, you know who else should be fired bob Iger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly our hatred for Bob Iger and everyone in the, any corporate uh, executive at any kind of studio, we, we do not, you know. Except our boy, David Zaslow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, man, I hope, I hope. No, you know, fuck David Zaslow, fuck James Gunn also. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to ruin DC, man. Well, James, James Gunn They're has They're going to ruin him. DC. Let's talk about Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, right. Okay. Because uh, he... he because uh, J- J- you know people are trying to give James Gunn shit because um, he said uh, originally like oh we- we're in talks with uh, with Ben Affleck he wants to do he wants to do a DC movie we're going to let him direct uh, we're excited and recently you know Ben Affleck was asked about it and he w- he was like uh, I have no interest in ever doing a-, a a comic book movie with James Gunn ever in my life mm-hmm. and um, you think there's bad blood I- there. No, I think I think people are trying to say that you know Ben Affleck really just never had any interest in, in making a movie. I think him and James Gunn met. I think they met, mm-hmm. and I think you know they discussed you know all the different projects that you know that James Gunn has developing. Mm-hmm. And I think Ben Affleck was like, "Oh, that's what you're trying to do? Mm-hmm. Never mind, I'll pass." Yeah, probably because I think I think what what James Gunn is doing, I think he's going to basically turn DC into Marvel. Maybe you know what uh, I mean. I, I, mean I, think, I, I think Ben Affleck really wanted to do you know what with the Zack Snyder movies because he thought what Zack Snyder was going to do was very different, mm-hmm. was very mature and very right. different. You know right. than the Daredevil movie that he did back in back in the day. Right. Do you mean? And I think 
Do you mean making more lightheartedly or 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 diversity? Lighthearted. Okay. Well, and, um, I, I think I think I think you're true. I think that's true. I think I think James Gunn wants to make a little more lighthearted, and yeah. I, I think he's been he's been I, you know it's funny because there's two camps here because the I think what people the people who like the Zack Snyder's uh, version of the DCU is that it was dark, it was gritty, it was it was mature, but there is a strong backlash or a strong push push for. No, sp- Superman should be virtuous. Like, should, yeah, should be innocent. And then like, because mm-hmm. I hear those oh, critics. Cool. I hear those critics. I go, then I think you could be both. I, I think you could. I think, I, I don't think, I don't see Zack Snyder's Superman's or his version of Superman uh, uh, that much different. Or I, I think it's just, it, there's certain shades of people. And I don't understand that somehow that is a, sacrilegious uh take on uh, superman uh, or the henry cavill's version is you know like it's such a slap in the face for a lot of these guys who thought you know superman only could be christopher reeves or something like that well you know the, for for me speaking as a of a of a i guess a late fan to what zach sander was trying to do with dc mm-hmm. it really kind of took a while for for uh henry cavill's superman to kind of grow on me mm-hmm. not necessarily because of henry cavill i thought he was great in the role from the beginning right but I mean, Zach's take on Superman did kind of take a bit to grow on me. I don't think I really, really came to appreciate it until I I saw that uh, three hour cut of uh, Batman vs Superman, the, <laughs> the, the the Ultimates cut, right? Which kind of really kind of uh, changed everything. Because I mean, for for the longest time, I was like, you know, I don't understand what Zack Snyder's doing. <laughs> I don't. I, this is just like an artsy, dark version of like you know of of all, of all these characters. We know. I, at first, I, it wasn't clicking for me, but then that once I did kind of get a better, see a better grasp of what he was trying to build towards and what he was doing, I was like, oh no, this is this is exactly what we need. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's too late. <laughs> well, it, it definitely seems like James Gunn has been hearing that kind of those 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 you know pushback against Snyder. And he, I think he actually kind of believes that he, Superman should be go back to the basic. And I think that's what he's trying to do with his version. And I yeah. think I, it, the, 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 the problem is like, you really got this fractured fan base of the of DC fans and they're kind mm-hmm. of eating each other up. They're kind of eating, yeah. you know, it's, and it's, it's hurting the movies and it's hurting. It's like, like what, what we saw with Shazam, there's a lot of Zack Snyder fans, I guess you could say, but that didn't want uh Shazam to succeed because of what Zachary Levi has said in the publicly about, you know, uh, of, of having, you know, saying that James Gunn is a good guy and we should follow what he's, you know, doing. And I guess, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't know what Did he say that he's, he's, he's a support. He was supporting, uh, James Gunn. He was supporting him because I think he was feeling that maybe James Gunn had he's supporting Dwayne, uh, he's anti Dwayne Johnson and, uh, pro gun. I, I I think now he's I think before he has said that he was uh, supporting Dwayne Johnson, but now he has come out and said that yes, there has been some kind of difficulties, but you know, uh, uh, working with him or whatever. Uh, and then I don't know. He's he's a you know he's a guy who's looking for a job. He's like he like whoever's in in in, uh, in charge. He's willing to like you know support them. You know he doesn't he, he has no alliances. You know <laughs> he's he, he wants to. He wants to make money. That's that's his uh, incentive. 
I, he wants I, to continue playing the character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a big paycheck for him. So, so I'm mean, still the the whole Ben Affleck thing. I think it's just, I think it's so sad that it. it I guess, and none of this is like necessarily a, confirmed. It's just kind of like what what how my take on it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just so sad that you know potentially Ben Affleck is interested in continuing the DC universe and making more DC movies or making a DC movie because he never even got to make one. Right. But he has no interest, or at least from what it seems like, he has no interest in doing what James Gunn or Kevin Feige are doing. So he's like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I think- And you know what? I'm out too. Cause I'm, 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 I'm with him. I'm kind of over these, I'm over these Marvel movies. And if DC is going to become what Marvel is now, then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm out too. <laughs> well, I mean, to me, it really feels like James Gunn only agreed to become the head of this, you know, D, this new version of DCU because he wanted to make a Superman movie. It seems like that was his child, you know, childhood dream to, to do that. And I think he really screwed himself because I think these movies are not going to be as popular as everyone thinks it is. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe it will turn out to be great, but I, I think he, there's an uphill. There's definitely an uphill that he has to climb to, 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 to yeah. succeed. And I think it's enough. And it's, he's, the, the thing is he's going to be stuck doing these movies for a very long time oh. and where he could be like working on other stuff, you know, he could be working, but I don't know, maybe the, he saw, he, maybe he saw, he, I think he wants to be doing these things. Cause what else mm-hmm. would he be doing? Like, uh, the cosmic Marvel movies. Remember, that's what he was originally going to commit to. He was going to be true. the cosmic Marvel guy. Yeah, I want to see a Nova, but still. At but this I mean, point, I don't, don't want to see anything Marvel does. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, I know. It's, a, it's a weird. It's a weird thing. Uh, I think it's like he. It's like bad timing. I guess I, w- I would say it's just bad timing that he he was he picked this time to become the head of any kind of uh, you know studio or stuff. But um, I don't. That's it. I mean, I I don't have much more to say than that, unless you know we get more. Um, um, yeah. I think it was. I think it was just a bad time to. Well, your decision uh, will be made once they once do you you find out who's going to be Superman. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a good point. Yeah, once we find out who what's who is playing Superman, I think that would be who's the young Brendan Fraser. Who's the young Nathan Fillion? That's the guy you got to be looking for. You get someone who could play dual row ro- roles. Whoa. You got. Yeah, that's, that's you're, you're saying Glenn Powell, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you got to you got you got to find someone who could pull off a, a you know a a a, a, a mild mannered reporter kind of person and be Superman uh, and by the just taking off the glasses. You got to see you know you got to be able to to you know be blinded mm-hmm. and. Um, it's impossible to find. So it's Miles Teller, right? Of course, right? Miles Teller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, well, it, yeah. I, I, how about if he picks an, like a nobody, like a, a new newcomer? Yeah, that's fine with me. Mm, I mean, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's get to uh, another topic that we need to follow up really quick. There's rumors that Kate Blanchett is rumored to be in the lead for the Tarantino's The Movie Critic. She's yeah, been we, talked we about you, that up. Well, you said that you wanted to see her in it. Now there's rumors that she might be either here or her or Meryl Street. Yeah. Right. So, uh, um, I thought you said Tilda Swinton. Well, no, I wanted to, uh, that's my pick. Oh. Kate Blanchett to me seems like the obvious choice. I would like Tarantino to, to maybe go. He's never worked with Kate Blanchett, right? 
I don't no. think he has. I don't think he has, but you know. Anyway, the, they're saying that Margot Robbie might be in the running because they just work with her. Yeah, well, I hope not. But yeah. I think she's. I mean, nothing against her. It's just that, you know. I don't see. I her. would want him to work with someone he hasn't worked with, I guess. Yeah, I would like to see him. And the, you know, because this is kind of supposedly inspired by Pauline Kale. She was an older woman in the 70s. Yeah. I would like to see him, like, you know, you know, Kate Blanchett is, is a good age range, but I think he's, she's a too, too much of an obvious pick. I would like him to go around that same age range, but like, yeah, but like pick someone who's not that, you know, that. Yeah. But that's, that's what I mean. I would like a comedian, but a comedian from like maybe the nineties or eighties, you know, they're older now. Mm-hmm. And then, cause he likes to bring people back, you know, when their careers are down. Yeah. You know, and like, I think there's a lot of comedians, uh, famous female comedians that are older now. Kind of like Blair Butler. <laughs> Or, no, well, not not that old, but I mean, I'm just saying, like um, Blair Butler. Oh, is that what Brett? Brett you mean uh, oh, Brett Butler. Yeah. Brett Butler. No, uh, maybe I'm, talking about, uh, I'm Cap- talking about like people that were on SNL and stuff like that. I think there's yeah. people that could do it. It, it depends, though. It depends how how serious this role is going to be. I'm I'm picturing it a very kind of snarky role. No, I'm saying Kate Blanchett would be perfect because uh, I really loved her in uh, but. And Veronica Garon, where she played a brilliantly a reporter, and and uh, I, I really loved the, that movie. And I'm just tired of seeing Kate Blanchett. That's <laughs> true, but that's true. At least she fi- she'll finally earn that Oscar, well, the third Oscar. No, no, she. No, I'm done. Well, it, oh. it, it's funny. It's funny. You you uh, you brought up a comedian, and I think Quentin Tarantino worked with two comedians in the '90s, and maybe this would be a perfect choice. Uh, Kathy Griffin. <laughs> no God. Who was no. in Pulp Fiction for <laughs> half a second. And uh, no. Margaret Chow, who he famously dated during okay. the 90s. Maybe Margaret Chow could be a part of this, you know, have no. a nice reunion uh, with these two. Um, or Margaret Show, I should say Margaret Show. But I, I, um, uh, that's a joke. No. I was, I'm joking around. Okay. Uh, let's get into what, uh, some new headlines, some real uh, shocking news. And that we, I guess we have to talk about. Jonathan Majors has been charged with several misdemeanors, uh, accounts of assault and harassment. This throws a wrench in, in his plans because this was supposed to be a huge year for him. He has a, a couple big high profile films that one, two, two films that already came out that was high profile for him. Uh, but you know, there's another one, there's an Oscar contender that's supposed to come out later this year. Uh, what does this say? What, what's this, you know, is he screwed with, with this? Well, he I might. think there's some new evidence coming out, right? That, mm-hmm. um, that he he was he actually called the police and um, that's well I guess there's there's a lot of evidence coming out that you know he he's is he's innocent in this in this specific situation right the other problem the problem that I think the major problem that he's having is that this opened up a whole basket of uh, of like allegations allegations yeah he's, yeah there's a bunch of allegations and accusations against him come coming out and I think that's the bigger problem because um. It seems from what from what I've seen, it seems like he might be innocent in this case, in this particular situation. Mm-hmm. But if there's other allegations, and I don't, I, I don't know, man, we I don't know enough information about those. Like we, they need to do research. We need to find out more. But um, I don't know how many allegations there are. But if if there's a lot, uh, I'm assuming some of them are true. We'll see. We'll see. Still too early. Yeah, still too early. And uh, yeah, if they weren't able to to put a I'll just say, put a pin on put a pin on that one mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, on this uh uh right away then there's they're 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 in uh trouble 
definitely. Well, I mean, I think that his his lawyer has tried. They kind of uh, almost ex- right almost uh, immediately after the news broke out, his lawyers came out and said that he is innocent. There is video evidence of him being innocent. It, 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 I guess he has been charged for misdemeanor accounts. So is that necessary? That's not, you know, it's not necessarily big. You know, it, it seems like mm-hmm. there wasn't an encounter with this woman. We don't know the relationship that he has with this woman. This could be a random mm-hmm. woman. Could be someone who he knows quite well. Who knows? And and we just don't know the um, that enough information to really make a a substantial kind of judgment here. But um, if it if he isn't able to kind of shake this off, I think he's in bad shape. But I think he might be okay if he's able to at least get you know. It's it's unfortunate that this has now become like a the court of pum- public opinion and. A, Mm-hmm. And it, it becomes this thing where you have to not only, uh, uh, you know, you know, work the, the 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 legal system, but you also have to work kind of the PR system too. And so, uh, well, let's let's just hope this that this court case won't, won't be as ridiculously long as when it falls was court. <laughs> yeah, I, Raymond, I want to get your uh, take on this uh, bit of news. That Zack Snyder, his uh, celebration, is a big hit. Uh, uh, I guess it's called Snyderverse and SnyderCon or SnyderCon. Let, let me get is it your, really SnyderCon? <laughs> yeah. What's wow. it? What, give, give me your. Give me, well, actually, give me the background about, about this because you kind of know this more than I do. Uh, well, I guess I'll just start off by saying that I am so so sad about this whole event because uh, I really wanted to go. Um, I, uh, I went to sleep early, you know, to get tickets. Mm-hmm. I woke up, uh, two hours before the event and I don't know, I don't know what happened, but I ended up just like falling asleep like 10 minutes before tickets went on sale. And then when I woke up, like tickets had like sold out 10 minutes prior <laughs> and I was just like, what, what, what happened? Like I, I fell asleep. I, I, I couldn't believe it, but yeah, I, w- I wanted to go to this event. It's uh, it's in Pasadena uh, here in California, and um, yeah, it's basically just a, a um the the it's a three day a three day event. Um, tickets are being sold uh, individually for each day for each screening, and it was just basically a screening and Q and A with Zach and surprise guests. The first day was going to be Man of Steel. Second day, uh, the ultimate cut of Batman vs Superman. And the third day was going to be um, in the Universal IMAX. They were going to show um, Justice League. Mm. And, and it's all to uh, benefit the... Yes, all to benefit the suicide prevention. And, um, in, in honor of and, his, his daughter um, who passed yeah. away in 2017. I, so and I, w- I would assume that the, there's going to be special guests and, 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 and yeah. you know, he's going to be there live, Q&A. And I, I guarantee... I, uh, um, Ray Fisher will be there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, I would I would think that he'll probably show footage of his new movie Rebel and Moon, either maybe you know, sneak peeks or trailer. Maybe I would think maybe. I mean, it's just a it's just a screening and Q and A. And I think for Batman and for for Superman, they're doing a, a signing and meet and greet afterwards. But I, I don't I don't know how many I don't know if there's going to be you know time for him to talk about other projects and mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you know if WB was a sponsor at all? Yes. They mm. approved it. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Maybe they won't have that. Maybe he'll have, maybe he'll have another uh, Snyder, 
Snyder Con later in the year with when he's promoting uh, Rebel Moon. Yeah, I would love it if he if he did something like this every uh, couple of years. Um, because he, I last last time he did it, he did it for um he screened Dawn of the Dead, um, Dawn of the Dead, Watchmen, and BVS. Hmm. And I I would love to um because I never saw I never saw Watchmen in theaters. And I would love to like go to a um, to a, a Q and A panel uh, screening panel for for Watchmen. Mm-hmm. I I love Watchmen. I I know it's a very kind of divisive comic book movie, but I think it's one of the better ones. Yeah, I would say so too. You know, I think fan like hardcore fans of the comic book say that it's not as faithful as you would think, but I think it's as faithful as one person could get. Um. I think I think people say that because a lot of the kind of social commentary from the comic kind of gets lost. It does get lost, and it's a, it's you, you gotta remember that when that movie came out, it was during the Bush years, and the comic book itself was kind of you know m- making a commentary on Margaret Hatcher and 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 Ronald Reagan years. So it's and those those are two different. I mean, it's it's almost similar, but they're, they're very two different, distinctly different things, eras. So it's it's very hard to like comment on those things when when it's just it's it's just the timing of it you know mm-hmm. is it because you are this big of a fan of a Zack Snyder that you wanted to see him talk and have him dis- describe some of these movies that I mean is that the appeal of of go- uh, trying to get tickets for this for this thing um the posters oh the yeah posters. I mean I like I like <laughs> I like going I like going to to these events I just I just went to one recently for for pie right and um uh, yeah, I, I've always, I've always liked this. I like going to you know conventions and going to to all the panels. Mm-hmm. Um, just fun to me, and um, I I I I really really wanted to finally watch uh the four hour cut of Justice League and IMAX because mm. I mean it, he he shot it in this like crappy format you know this crop <laughs> format. Oh, that's and we right. had to watch that's it right. on our tiny TVs. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I was like, I want to see it the way you know it was intended to watch it. Like the how much better is it actually in IMAX? Because I, I got used to it quick, you know, having to watch in, you know, a little square on a TV. But I mean, come on. I want to <laughs> see it, you know, properly. It's kind of bullshit that they released that movie like that and they, it never got a proper theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's so a good point. I really, I really, really want to see Justice League in IMAX. Well, let's get to our next kind of topic. It's, it is... Uh... The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, the reunion movie on Netflix, the trailer came out, and I think you were saying that the, you were very excited about this. You're a kid from the '90s. Uh, uh, I didn't. I, I think I didn't see. That. I think you were saying that you were, you cried when you saw the trailer, right? <laughs> I, I I cried. I, I shit my pants. And I cried. No. Well, uh, what well, happened was I saw this trailer and I was like, "Wow, this thing is going to be a massive success for Netflix." Because I remember when they announced this thing, and I was like. Why would they do this? Like, do people even care? Because, like, I know there's still a lot of fans of Power Rangers, like people my age and even older, that still have a a fondness for it. And there's even there's Power Rangers conventions. And yeah, stuff. yeah. But the thing is, and from my perspective, the way I always looked at it is, Power Rangers was always constantly kind of rebooted. Like when when I grew up, when right. I was a little kid, it was right. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And then there was other things that came after, and there were and there and there were a bunch of different Power Rangers. So the Power Rangers that little kids were growing up with, like, um, like ten years ago, that it's completely different than what I watched. Mm. And I just thought that if they were to do like a 
a Power Rangers like theatrical thing or something like that that I don't even think it would be a big hit because the fans are all like you know so divided right. and they're of all different ages and I just also feel it's a franchise that's very easy to kind of grow out of like mm-hmm. I haven't watched anything Power Rangers related since I was like you know five years old mm-hmm. so so I never I, I thought it was I thought it was a, a poor poor investment on Netflix's part and after seeing the trailer, I was like, oh, no, I think this is going to be a hit. I think this is going to get, you know, all those Marvel fans on board. I think this is going <laughs> to uh, I think this is go- I think this is going to be huge. Yeah, uh, I think so. Too. I think it's going to be I think it's going to make Netflix a lot of money. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I, we should also mention that there's there's two missing cast members now. Jason David Frank, who, who passed away, I think, a couple months just ago, which is recently. He's he, but this was shot when he was still alive. He, he you know, he committed suicide, I, I believe. He has right? a cameo in it. No, he declined to appear in the movie for whatever reason. Uh, wow! He, yeah, he's not gonna he's not gonna appear in the film. Or well, that's what I'm hearing. He declined. That's shocking. Yeah, I I don't know why because he's because he, he's like because I don't I don't watch Power Rangers anymore. But I I know I know Jason David Frank, and I know he's like he's one of the few actors that's actually reappeared in multiple Power Rangers iterations. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's like one of the few guys that actually came back for almost all of the iterations. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And even all the conventions, he was a uh, like a convention uh, veteran. He was always yeah. uh, in those shows. Uh, the other person who's not going to come back is Amy jo- Johnson, who uh, arguably is probably the most popular or most famous one out of the group. Uh, she went on to do like Felicity the series, and so she had a you know a little bit of a career. But I think now she's a retired uh, actress, and she has said she has come out and said that the reason why that she didn't want to do it is because it was, she had personal problem or personal reasons. It wasn't because they didn't want to pay her. There was this rumor that uh, she, that that she was asking for more money or something. She came out and said, "No, that's not the case. I just didn't want to do it." Uh, and and she that she also confirmed that that Jason David Frank uh, also declined to appear. So, um, well, also the other one, the other one that that's not returning is the the Yellow Ranger because she died in two thousand one. Oh, right, 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 right. And and apparently that's going to be a plot line in the movie that her character mm-hmm. dies or something like that uh, so I don't know maybe that's maybe the reason why they didn't want to do that maybe that they felt maybe that was poor taste or I don't know I don't know uh, but it, it, apparently there's going to be just not just the original cast but um, cast of other iterations uh, oh interesting I think so I, actually I'm, I'm not I don't <laughs> even know about the Power Rangers this was I was I was in my teens in the 90s so this was too 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 kitty for me so I, I haven't i don't know much of the franchise itself but but i think it is going to do well i think like i you know i have this i i, I told you guys about this i mean i think 90s is the new 80s you know everyone the last couple of years has been focused on you know remaking things from the 80s and i think now we have entered an, an era where we're are going to remake or, or reboot or redo 90s stuff and i think this is just an example of that and i think it's going to do very well because People just want to see more '90s uh, nostalgia. I agree, and um, it's a, it's a good time for uh, Power Rangers uh, for the Netflix Power Rangers since the the Black Power Rangers just appeared in House Party. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the same actor? He he cameos as himself in House Party. Uh, <laughs> okay, oh, there wow. you go, synergy right there. <laughs> HBO Max and Netflix right there. Uh, let's just jump into the next uh, topic because I, and I, I'm not sure if I even, I don't know if I really care about this, but maybe you would Raymond, cause you're a, a big 
memorabilia. Was it memorable <laughs> memorabilia? So you're a big fan of that shit. <laughs> movies, uh, <laughs> movies, uh, shit. A uh, Funko has cut back on their Mundo or their Mundo movie Mondo. Po- or Mondo movie poster business. Are you a collector of uh, Mondo uh, posters? Uh, I know you have a lot of poster movie posters, but uh, are you a fan of Mondo any, or I Funko? Um, I used to collect Funko. I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. I've pretty much sold off my whole collection. And Mondo posters, I, I, I have a lot of movie posters. I, I collect a lot of posters, but I don't own anything Mondo. Okay. So does this even affect you or, you know, the fact that, that this, the poster business is kind of getting laid off a lot of the, the co-founder got laid off a lot of the staff members got laid off and like it really it seemed like Mondo? it's coming yeah it seems like it's coming I, yeah, to a close I mean, that does suck because i mean i mean there are so many mondo posters over the years that i've i've seen online and mm-hmm. i just thought were so beautiful mm-hmm. they're all out of print you know now but if i'm being completely honest and this is just me being selfish but i don't think mondo's done any good posters in such a long time that for me, it's like maybe a big part of the reason why this is happening is just because they haven't really been doing a good job. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know. That's just that's just that's again an opinion type of thing. But right. I, I've been I've been looking for posters on. I always go on Amondo's websites every kind of whenever there's a big convention or whatever, trying to find a cool poster. And I I just really don't like a lot of the posters they've been doing lately. I think there's better there's better places. And and usually when they do make a cool poster, it's like for a shitty movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it seems like there's more from, alternative ways to buy these same type of style graphic. Yeah, you get some good stuff on Etsy. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it started from the uh, um, Alamo Draft House guys, right? Yeah, they the ones that started it. They were kind of branching off from the theater business, and they were kind of and they sold it to Funko. Yeah, which I guess it was a couple of years ago or maybe a year ago, mm-hmm. and Funko bought it for I don't know fourteen million, I think, want to say. But um, and I, I guess why they buy it? I don't know. I guess maybe just I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's really like I that, that's what I want to know. Like, why the hell did Funko even buy them buy them to begin with? Like, they don't make posters, right? They make Funko pops out of the characters. <laughs> maybe yeah. Maybe it was the licensing licensing deals that they had that Mondo Mondo had, and they were buying kind of just oh, the okay. license. All right. I guess that maybe was part of the deal or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I remember uh, Mondo posters back in the day, and I, I was actually shocked that it was still going, it was still around when I heard the, this news. Uh, because it was a probably, a, like I would say, like an early 2010s or maybe late. 2000s that that it was a big deal like people were promoting it on their websites like here's the latest mondo movie poster you know but i think it has because of the you know like you like you were saying etsy there was all these alternative websites that kind of deal with the same thing you don't have necessarily have to go through mondo you could you could go like directly to a, a, a your favorite uh, underground artist. or in it yeah independent artists and you know ask yeah. them to do it for you you know Maybe the direct to consumer consumer market has grown so big that it has made Mondo and these. You know, types. a lot of these, a lot of these artists that work for Mondo and that work for, um, you know, uh, for, like uh, Shot Factory also does a lot of exclusive posters. But a lot of these artists that make them, that actually draw them, and make them, you can find them on Instagram, on social media, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you you could just you could get it directly from them. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, that- I mean. I, I, I mean, I follow a lot of my art, artists that I buy posters from online. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think the, yeah, the, I, the I, you don't need Mondo. Yeah, I think the direct consumer market has grown, and I think it's just maybe a, a cheaper and you know more more efficient way to to buy your kind of posters or whatever your artwork. Yeah, as uh, far as Funko Funko goes, I am totally surprised they lasted this long to begin with. I I, I for sure thought they were going to go the way the same as Beanie Babe by now. Yeah, I know. I know, but they're just getting bigger. Well, I don't know if they're getting bigger, but they well, just seem more popular thing, than ever. I, I haven't, I haven't really kept up with Funko. I don't know how they're doing business wise, but I feel like they got too big. You know what I mean? Like, cause yeah, so I, Beanie I don't Babies. No, but what I mean is, like, they don't just do Beanie Babies now. They do T-shirts. They do, oh, um, yeah, yeah. They do so many different. T- they do like, um, uh, houseware stuff, mm. and they do so many things. I'm like, I don't see people buying. A lot of the, like they do magnets and uh, a lot of kitsch, kitsch stuff, and it's probably for just, their stores. Maybe, but but they they sell it at like Targets and WalMarts and, and and everywhere. And I just feel like there's so much Funko stuff now that it's just destined to fail at, at this point. Like I think if they kept it a bit more, I kept I kept it a bit more simple, like how it was before. They could have maybe lasted, mm-hmm. but I think. They they're just making so many things. They even have board games. <laughs> so I'm just like, um, I I think I think they're gonna fail. Soon. Do you think like I, this, well, I don't know soon, but you think this movie fandom market here, you know, with posters, with games, with you know trinkets, you think all that kind of dying down? It's dying, you know, as is is it it's, or is it still kind of a growing market? Do you think? How, it's how always. It's always going up and down, I think. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I think, you know, there's always new collectors, and every day there's also people giving up on their collection. There's people selling off their right. collection. So it, it it's always, you know, going up and down. I don't know which side is winning, though. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, uh, like after Super Mario hits, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they announced uh, Funko the movie and then do, like, a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pop, pop movie looks like Lego or like the like the trolls uh, yeah, franchise. Like the Legos, yeah, yeah. I think they already announced Funko the movie, but it just never went anywhere. Oh, thank God! Like a <laughs> development hell movie type of thing. Oh, well, good. <laughs> right, let me get your thoughts on this. Uh, Ryan Coogler has uh, the, I guess uh, is apparently in development to reboot the X Files TV series. Now, this is coming from Chris Carter, who is the, the creator of the show. And he was recently uh, in an interview, and he said that he is talking to Kugler, and he is going to reboot the series, or, or, or he's going to remount. He calls it Remount the X-Files with a diverse cast. And so that's what he has kind of... And I, I found this very strange that Ryan Kugler has picked this project to 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 attack or to to work on uh mm-hmm. especially when you i thought he's going to be busy with wakanda series the, and i i thought he was going to be busy with marvel really but this seems like he's branching out and doing some stuff on his own but i don't know what's what's, what's your thoughts on this uh, of ryan cooler taking on the the x file series what exactly is going to be his involvement it's just that he's maybe so, the producer executive producer i'm not so sure is this going to be like is this going to be like another situation where he produced uh face jam and new legacy <laughs> to his brothers and his cousins or whatever oh that's a, a movie that's a good point i didn't you know what i didn't that didn't come to my mind when i heard the the, the headline 
Maybe mm-hmm. you're exactly right because he has. You yeah, know, and I think bro- I think Donald Glover's doing the same shit, right? And right, he with just his brother signs up to do a movie yeah. and just lets his family make it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Ryan Coogler has a brother who wrote I want to say House Party or too, cousin. or or cousin who wrote House Party remake. No, he's he's doing the white white man can't jump remake. And, uh, yeah, and he did House Party, right? Did he do House Party too? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the, the or, House or, Party, or maybe or Space Jam, Space Jam, Space Jam. Did he do okay something like that? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's that's interesting because he it seems like he does have a, a couple people around him who are writers or producers, and so yeah, that's much that makes a lot more sense now that he is picking this project for his team, his quote unquote team to work on. I don't know, Rich. What, what's your thoughts on 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 Kugler, or what's what's your thoughts on just having X Files come back? Uh, right now you're a bit you well, mentioned fan the, of x-files in the, in the 90s of course yeah the thing is they he also they, they also mentioned it's going to be a di- all diverse cast mm-hmm. um which is yeah a, i think it's a common place that, that's a common kind of like everyone says that nowadays and like you know any kind of remake or any kind of reboot it's gonna they always say it's gonna come back with a diverse cast that's kind of like you know, yeah, I'm. I'm just saying. So, so no Fox Mulder, no, or no, or or Jillian Anderson probably showing not. up at all. Well, I mean, it's going to be hard to well, get they, them they back. They might right? come back as their, they might come back as their original characters, right? They didn't die, right, in the movie, in the last movie. I didn't no. watch the movies. No, 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 they didn't. So, I was always hoping that they would come back, but um, and no, they, don't you they, find they, they tried? They did tried recently. <laughs> But I, you, know, I never would see. <laughs> don't you find that, that maybe that's I don't know. I mean, it, it, they're too a little bit too old now. Not, not that they're old, but they're they still they, look good. They, 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 those characters not have, as old as smoking, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you want like to see some of the original characters come back? Uh, Mitch cameos are fine or whatever. How about Mitch? Uh, yeah, uh, right. Mitch uh, for me, Mitch Pileggi. Mitch Pileggi. Yeah. For me, it really kind of depends on um on who's on who's doing it, and I'm not necessarily. Because I've not, I I never heard Ryan Coogler talk about his love of sci-fi. You know what I mean? Right. So, or his love of aliens and uh, of of, or even investigation and stuff. So I, to me, Ryan Coogler just does not seem like uh, appropriate fit for this at all. To right. me, I always looked at Ryan Coogler as like the guy that does these really grounded movies because I love Fruitvale Station, I love Creed, uh, Black Panther's cool too, but um, yeah, for me, this this just doesn't seem like a good fit at all. Um, I know Kumel Nanjani is a massive X Files fan. Uh-huh. I think if they were, I think if they were to announce like you know Kumel Nanjani was like uh, the, the lead reviving the franchise, no reviving oh. the franchise like as as a, as a creative. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be more interested because I at least know that he knows the franchise. Mm-hmm. I don't again Ryan Coogler. I'm just like to me, Surprise, it's just more. Man. It feels more like a um, like a like a a, a a game like you just like. You draw a name from a hat, it's like yeah. Ryan Coogler and X Files. It's like okay, yeah, it's most likely that Disney um, gave him, uh, you know, a uh, choice, a or, choice to open the vault. Here's, yeah, here's, here's all, all the products that that are uh, available. You know, yeah, well, well, most likely Greenlight, <laughs> and uh, here's your choice. I'm really surprised that they're uh, going along with the this this this. Obviously, seems that it's going to be for Hulu eventually. It, it, mm. Would it be for? Or or are they or, uh, FX? Or, or are you thinking TV series, actual Fox television? I I thought it might be Disney Plus. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what no I, way? I guess I guess F FX. I guess or or yeah, FX kinda, network. Yeah, FX. Yeah, on Hulu. Yeah, 
Well, you, uh, you got to remember, like, the, the the original 90s series was very much our generation uh, or the new generation of twi- Twilight Zone or, or mm-hmm. those type of conspiracy or, or you know, science fiction uh, tales, kind of that great. I mean, I guess I guess what, what Chris Carter was a big fan of, of, of the Night so, Stalker So keep Jordy Peele away from it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, even though I don't like Jordan Peele's uh, version of the Twilight Zone, but I think he would have been a better fit, or he sounds like he's more of a familiar with this territory. He would have been a better kind of name to this Actually, you know what? Actually, uh, probably after watching Nope, he probably would be you know, <laughs> a better fit for um, for X-Files and Ryan Coogler. Right. But then again, you know, let's see what Ryan Coogler's got. You know, at this point, I'm not... Maybe he's a secretly a big X-Files super fan. Maybe... He is the age. He's the appropriate age right. to be a, a, a super fan. Maybe... He he in college maybe I don't know was that that time out maybe in high school uh he was uh, uh would binge watch or you know would watch he was a, like a cult uh, after Rocky would be X Files yeah yeah he was just would eat up all the X Files uh, uh episodes and like I mean it was that type of show that that it it would you know the fan base for that show was very devoted was very mm-hmm. dedicated on watching every episode was came up with their own theories you know it was pre-internet or yeah it was pre-internet so they didn't necessarily was able to branch off and become bigger a fan base but um it was definitely a hardcore fan base there and i don't know maybe he was part of it who knows or maybe or maybe, maybe. Uh, raymond's right this is for his brothers and his cousins to write on or something i don't know maybe the, he watched it before watching new york undercover yeah, yeah. Did it? It was the same time. The same time. Sure, nineties. No, but I mean, the same. Did it air the same day? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> New York Undercover was a a, a, a a crime show. It was kind of like Twenty One Jump Street or something, right? Oh yeah, but it was edgy, supposedly. Right, but right. That's the that's the black audience. Right, right. Maybe you're right. Maybe he said, I don't like this. I was New York undercover. Let me check out this X Files. <laughs> oh, no, wow. This, no, is, no. this is my t- cup of tea right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, New York undercover was huge. Yeah. I, well, I remember it was huge in New York and LA, not necessarily yeah. in the middle of America. But it was, that's why, it, it, you know, even though it had small ratings, that's why it, keep, it kept on getting, uh, you know, greenlit for a new, a new season. Yeah. It, it was a New York ripoff of uh, Miami Vice. Yeah. But there were undercover cops or something, right? Yeah. Well, based something yeah, like that. I don't know. Anyway, awesome. we're going back to our 90s days of watching television. Uh, yeah. So, I, like, I, I will, I think it's a perfect, you know, look, I think X Files is a perfect time to reboot because we now live in conspiracy world, government world. It, it fits perfectly at, right now. I would like to see what Ryan Coogler has to think about that. I mean, he doesn't come off as someone who, is into that, but maybe maybe he is. Maybe maybe he is, but we'll see. This is an interesting thing. All right, that's it for headlines. Now let's talk about some of the movies we've been watching and some of the TV shows because I, I I think you, Rich, you want to talk about some some shows. But uh, let's let's start with Fred Raymond because he has watched a couple of big movies. He saw the new John Wick film and also the a sneak preview of the Dungeons and Dragons film honor among thieves so uh raymond do you take it away uh tell us about what your feelings about john wick chapter four okay john wick chapter four um i just watched it um a little earlier 
And uh, I wasn't super excited for the movie. I'm not the biggest John Wick fan. Um, I really like the first John Wick. I think the first John Wick is awesome. Um, just because uh, it's it's a very simple movie, very grounded in the cinematography and action are uh, top notch throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love John Wick two and three as much, despite you know the action getting better in each installment. I just don't love John Wick two and three because it just got a little too silly and a little too cartoony. John Wick four is probably arguably even more cartoony and even more sillier. But that being said, I still think it's the best John Wick movie since the original because mm-hmm. the comedy and or I don't know if it's com- the unintentional comedy. <laughs> and stuff, it 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 works. It if it, it felt more appropriate here. It felt just like a fit more. And also, I felt like this movie just had a lot more to do than the previous uh, John Wick movies. Like this one, I thought just introduced a lot more characters. Like the other ones had a lot of side characters and stuff, but this one introduced a lot of characters that had more to do and had um, more involvement in the storyline. Still a very simple storyline. I mean, it's still just assassins trying to kill John Wick, but um, some of these assassins that are going after him at least now had more backstories and just felt a bit more fleshed out. And um, I, yeah, I've really felt this kind of John Wick world, uh, really kind of um i felt i really felt the world building in this one mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. guess i felt the the the, the world expanding and um the action was just um i mean it's it's great in all of them but it what i really enjoyed about the action in this one was that um i i, I brought this up to you guys before but it really reminded me of a video game in that uh like when you're playing street fighter mm-hmm. you know you're having these fights and you know in the background you know there'll be like all these people watching the fights and they're basically just like NPCs, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll be cheering and dancing and, you know, you, you'll, you'll knock someone on the ground and then they'll, they, they might make a little reaction, but then they'll continue cheering and dancing. And then there's like a rave or not a rave sequence, but there's a sequence in this movie where, uh, with Scott Atkins character who plays this kind of a nightclub owner or whatever. And it basically takes place in this little like rave sequence. And there's like people dancing and, you know, having the time of their lives. And John Wick's just killing people on the dance floor left and right. And the dancers are just like, they might just quick glance at it like, oh, and then they'll just continue dancing. Like, yeah, you can't, you, can't, you can't stop the party, John Wick. And I was like, this is just like Street Fighter. And there are many sequences like that where just everyone in the background just felt like an NPC. Which, I mean, this should sound like a criticism, but I think it was intentional because the movie... It it just it felt like a video game. I don't know how to say it because it just it didn't. It felt less stupid. <laughs> it felt less stupid because it was more stupid, or maybe because it embraced the stupidity. I don't know, but it just worked or better. They were conscious that it you know there is a almost a video game aesthetic. Maybe that maybe that's what it is, but it yeah. just worked. And even at a certain point, like I even I was like, man, this this really is just like a video game. It's like wh- where does he get these bullets from? And then I really started to pay attention. Where, where's John Wick getting these bullets from? And I noticed, oh, he's just picking up the bullets from the ground. It's like a video game. <laughs> he's just picking up the bullets people drop. <laughs> he's like picking up the magazines and stuff. I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even notice. But if you pay attention to it, he's just picking them up right in the ground. And <laughs> made it feel more like a video game. <laughs> yeah, I so, think, uh, I think the, I, the movie's a blast, though. Yeah, I think that's the appeal of the movies because it's you know, um, if we break down the numbers, it's it's highly, you know. Uh, 
the demographics for that movie, it's mostly male, like 60 or maybe a little bit more than 60% of male audiences. So that tends to be same kind of demographics for video games. And uh, yeah, I, I think like you, I, I the reason why I liked the original John Wick was kind of, it, went, it was a bare bones type of action films. It felt very much like a 90s action film. But as it, it had per- enough weight to it, also to make you like, um, yeah, really care, care about, about the characters, you know, what, yeah, yeah. And I think when it progressively, or you know, as it got to chapter three, I was like, are they taking this stuff a little too seriously? And now you're saying they kind of right some of that wrongs, uh, yeah. That 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 I have problems with the last movie, even though I, you know, we all agree that each movie has these tremendous action sequences that yeah, you, that your your jaw drops. And uh, it seems like they kind of figure out a certain formula that, that makes it kind of makes more sense. And that's, yeah, this that's one, what I'm getting. This one, had, this one had humor to it that wasn't, there was humor to it that actually felt intentional. Like, oh, they put that in there to be funny. Not, you know, you know no TikTok man type of stuff. <laughs> like Jason Manzoukas isn't even in this one. <laughs> uh, so you, you, you give it a recommendation then, I'm going to say. Oh yeah, I highly recommend it if you're into this franchise. I mean, it's a three-hour movie. I, it, <laughs> there's no reason for a John Wick movie to be this long, but he instead personally felt the length more in John Wick two and three than it did this one. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I think if you like two and three, um, that this this might be the best one for you. Because I mean, for me, it's the second best, you know, after the original. All right, and that's John Wick Chapter Four. It's doing well in theaters. It's so uh, opening with a franchise best, it seems to be, it seems to only, this franchise is only getting bigger and bigger as it goes on. Now let's get to like Dragon or Dungeon, J- Dungeons and Dragons uh, Honor Among Thieves. This is uh, based on the legendary tabletop uh, b- uh, role-playing game. Has a big cast. Uh, what's your thoughts on this movie? Do you got a chance to see a sneak peek uh, preview? It's coming out this Friday. What was your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I saw the movie over the weekend, and it's funny because um, I, I went to the movie theater with the intention of watching Shazam, and it was sold out. And uh, and then I was like, "Damn, Shazam sold out!" So I decided, well, I'll just go watch John Wick Four. That was sold out too. And then I noticed, you know, there happened, and I and I really had to like search the the app because it was like all you had to go th- through all the movies, you know, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and then in the bottom was advanced showing uh, early screening of Dungeons and Dragons. I was like, oh, <clears throat> let's just go watch that. And I ended up uh, watching uh, Dungeons and Dragon, and I had no, I I really had no anticipation for the movie at all. I I really didn't even think the movie looked very good. I had no interest in watching it. Uh, mostly just went to go see because I didn't want to drive back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I uh, went to go see the movie and it, it it was enjoyable. I mean, it's 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 a fun movie. I didn't love it as much as I would say everyone else around me seemed to be enjoying it. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the movie's very much just an MCU film. But that that's not necessarily a bad thing because I, I I will say this is probably more like you know what, what the MCU kind of used to be, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It, it, it felt like a, a good Marvel movie, if you will. It's just uh, the thing that kind of really held it back for me is just I'm I'm personally just not really a fantasy guy. I've never been a fantasy guy. I love 
Lord of the Rings and, and Game of Thrones, but I feel that that's kind of, you know, a little different than what this is doing. This is kind of more in that kind of 80s uh, kind of fantasy adventure style. And I, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, just, that's just never been my genre. It's, not, it's never been my type of movie. But I think if you, if you do like stuff like, you know, Willow and, um, uh, you know, um, the, the, the animated Lord of the Rings and uh, a bunch, a bunch of uh, what never ending story, all that stuff. Right, right. You're into all these like fantasy things. I think you will probably really love this movie. And that's actually why I think uh, this movie probably isn't going to do as well as some are expecting at the box office. Cause I don't, I don't know how much, of, how much of an audience there is for this specific type of subgenre of fantasy mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. But if, if something like this were to be a hit, it's this movie because they're very much copying, you know, what Marvel's doing and they're doing it very well. You know, the, the one argument you can make for this movie being a hit is if something like Thor can be successful, then this can be successful too. Um, it's just, you know, Thor was part of kind of like Avengers kind of franchise. This doesn't really have that. Uh, but I mean, judging the movie for, for what it is, I, I mean, Everyone in the cast, everyone in the main cast, uh, Chris Pine, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, um, just Justice Smith is that his name? Yeah, is yeah. there Justin or Justice? Justice, Justice, Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis, uh, Hugh Grant. Uh, they're all great, they're all really light. Uh, well, I don't, Hugh Grant's he's kind of the villain of the movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, I they're all likable and uh, and charming and. Something that I found kind of interesting is that, you know, Sophia Lillis, Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, they're the only characters in the movie that are speaking in their real accents. Everyone else in the movie is, you know, British. Doing a kind of English, yeah, doing an English accent. But I felt that them doing, being American or just speaking like themselves almost gave the movie, like, it almost made them a bit more relatable Mm. or something like that. But I imagine if you're a person that actually plays dungeons and dragons the game mm-hmm. i imagine that probably makes it feel like you're playing the game as well in the way because it felt like very much that like these are people you know from our from our world or whatever <laughs> oh, but i see playing the game i don't know it was it was mm. it, it's hard to explain it but well, it's it's it doesn't it doesn't dungeon i never played dungeons and dragons the, the, the role-playing game but it doesn't like people put on accents themselves <laughs> you know like yeah <laughs> you know like go into that yeah <laughs> you know they go into like kind of a they're acting. Yeah, they're acting. And a lot that's why Vin Diesel loves, you know, uh, uh, D&D, you know, he said that 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 was his kind of first acting job. And same thing with the other guy, John, Joe Manda, what's his name? The guy from True Maybe Blood. I know. Yeah, I he's know. a big D&D guy. Um yeah, maybe. Uh, let me let me ask you about the comedy. Does the some of the com- does the comedy comedy land in this film because you're not necessarily a big fan of the writer directors. They, they they're also the ones who wrote uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, and you had a really hard time with the comedy in that film. Is this yes, a better but, comedy? But they also they also wrote and directed, or I don't know if they wrote and directed, but they also did Game Night, which I love. Right. Game, I love Game, Game Night, Night was fantastic, yeah. I don't know. For me, I, I wasn't laughing as much as the theater I was in. You know, I wasn't laughing as much as my audience. Mm-hmm. But I got an occasional laugh. I mean, I laughed more than I did during Ant Man, and I laughed more during like Thor: Love and Thunder and all those other movies. But I mean, is that saying much? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this isn't really kind of, kind of talking about the comedy, but 
I'll say that the, the movie kind of reminded me a lot of uh, Your Highness, the, uh, the David Gordon Green movie. The excellent, that, of, the excellent uh, fantasy movie that I love so much. <laughs> but it reminded me of, of Your Highness because of the, um, you, fe- you felt while watching Your Highness that David Gordon Green had like a real kind of like love for that type of fantasy genre that we don't really see anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I feel that kind of love for that genre definitely shines through in this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, I, another thing I will say is that they they all comedically they also do a lot of uh, kind of interesting things in the movie. Like I don't want to I don't want to spoil any any stuff, but they do like some action set pieces are are kind of comedic, but they commit to them also at the same time. So there's there's kind of comedic there's action set pieces that are comedic, but also they commit to the action sequence of it. So it's also badass if it makes sense. Oh, okay. So you like the, you like those yeah. Sequences. So their, their sequences are like badass and, and funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then on, on the other hand, and this is maybe just me personally, but I also thought the action stuck. <laughs> you mean I don't it wasn't well crafted? Was well, wasn't I don't think I don't think it was well. I don't think the action was well shot. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, these guys uh, the. Um, Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly are definitely getting better as directors. I thought they did a great job with Game Night, and um, I think they do a good job with this movie. But when it comes to the action, I thought they kind of amateurish. Their kind of their lack of experience kind of came through for me, at least. Yeah, which is funny because I've been seeing other critics saying that they love the action in the movie, and I was for me it was just a bunch of shaky cam. And, and and these guys were originally attached to do the Flash film. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that was a good thing that they didn't do that. It would seem so. It would seem so so far. I mean, we haven't seen those, we haven't seen that movie yet. But I mean, it seems like their their knowledge or their maybe lack of experience with with dealing with action scenes wouldn't work well with something like the Flash. But probably I mean, not, cause, especially because it seems like the Flash is going to have some really kind of spectacular action scenes. Yeah. But what? But but to give credit to these guys. There was a lot of creativity in the action scenes. I just don't think they were well executed. Okay. Okay. There was some, there's good ideas. You know what I mean? There's good stuff. I just, you know, I thought a lot of it could have been better executed, especially like the stuff with like Michelle Rodriguez. Cause like there's so much, like her character's badass. Like her character's super awesome. But I just, the action scenes with her just, I don't know. It was kind of Liam Neeson taken a little bit, the taking sequels. Mm. It's just very shaky. It's very, very a lot of cuts, and yeah, it just it wasn't impressive to me. Mm. And also, also go, going back to the to the Flash thing, um, mm. they also they wanted to do a completely different version of the Flash movie. Remember, right? That's why they they left the movie. Yeah, they had an argument with uh, Ezra Miller that he wanted to do something yes. different. And yeah, yeah. So could've. I mean, the Flash movie that everyone's saying, you know, that we're getting right now, that everyone's. That saw is supposedly saying, including Tom Cruise, is saying, you know, it's like one of the best comic book movies ever made. Tom Cruise saying it's the movie that we all need right now. Right. That's not the movie they would have made. Right, right, right. Mm. They would have made something completely different. But maybe something similar so to maybe maybe it's for the better or... that they did Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. All right. So you would definitely recommend this a little I mean or it's a crowd pleaser. It's a, it's a crowd pleaser, but I think if you're a little tired of the MCU formula and if you're not a big fantasy fan, mm. maybe wait for streaming. Mm. But if you love fantasy and if you love Marvel, then you should watch it. How about if you love uh, D&D? This is 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that was uh, Raymond's thoughts on on John, the new John Wick movie, and the new uh, Dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons film. Uh, me and Rich got a chance to see Knock at the Cabin, the new M Night Shyamalan movie, which just I think it made its debut on Peacock this week, this mm-hmm. past weekend, right? Yeah. Sorry. Don't spoil it because I'm going to watch it this weekend. All okay, right. So. Uh, Rich, let me start with you. What was your feelings about the movie? Uh, Knock at the Cabin. This is a post well, not post-apocalypse. It's a psychological horror movie, I guess. <coughs> Set in, in a cabin. <laughs> yeah. With with uh, Dave Bautista as the main, I don't know if you, uh, well, 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 he's leading the cast here. Right. Go, go ahead. Seeing how, how the, the film didn't do farewell with the uh, box office and the, uh, and it got mixed uh, reviews by mixed by, reviews yeah. also. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I went in, uh, not expecting much at all. Um, uh, and then after watching it, I go, this is exactly what I wanted in, in the film. It's not, you know, it's not tremendously good, but it's, it's just, it's just an accurate, I mean, an adequate M night, uh, thriller. It's just, it's just, it, it was fine for what it was. And it's, uh, I thought, uh, uh, um, I was, I was about to say being Rams. Um, uh, Dave Batista, he 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 is doing his best, almost his best work, I would mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I I enjoyed most of the other actors in, involved in it, and uh, I don't know, it it kept me entertaining, right? It entertained, and uh, and uh, there were no twists. To, uh, I guess you could say. Well, I mean, typical, no M Night, yeah, 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 typical M Night twist, right? It's pretty much a straightforward kind of thriller. Yeah. Do you like and, it more than Split? No, I, I like uh, Split more, but um, I, I, Split had more action thriller, uh, uh, suspense, uh, um, more of a horror um, take mm-hmm. to it. Um, but this one's not 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 really not much of a horror, but just you know suspenseful uh, and uh, you know mystery kind of mystery. Yeah, yeah. and it's. It, I thought it was just fine for what it was. And it's, it's, it's a good streaming release. Yeah. And the thing is, um, right before we saw it, we finally, you played the, uh, the trailer for 80 for Brady. And I am in pure disgust. That, that movie made more that, money. <laughs> yeah. That, that movie made more money. That's the first time I saw the trailer for 80 uh-huh. for Brady. And I'm in pure disgust that that, that movie made more money than knock of the cap. Mm. Yeah, I was actually quite shocked that they got mixed reviews. I thought the, the movie was strong. I, I think it was solid. Yeah, it's not a perfect movie. There, there's like some of the acting, like the little girl. I could maybe she, she. I mean, she's a, it's a typical little girl acting thing, you know. So the story mm-hmm. centers around this uh, gay couple with an adopted daughter, and they become uh, captured by this group, this four people group. I think it was like four. I think it was four yeah. people, right? Four mm-hmm. member group. And they they propose this question to them like, uh, you must sacrifice, you must have a sacrifice in order to stop the end of the world because it's coming, and they have seen visions of it. So, so you would think that the idea of that movie is about this kind of argument of like, do I believe them or do I not believe them? And then really, it's really the other way around. It's really kind of it's, it's, I would say like Dave Bautista is really the the main star of this movie. W- would you agree oh, on definitely. that, Rich? Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I think it's really, he's the one who is like, we're seeing it maybe through his eyes more than say the the the, the couple in, 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 I mean, I guess it goes back and forth, back and forth. But I mean, mm-hmm. I think what I really loved about the movie is because it's not, it's not necessarily like, do I believe that this is happening? And it's more about 
sacrificing or I think the lengths you would go through to in order to in order to complete a mission that you truly believe in and that's what I'm saying about Dave Bautista and his group I think that's the most fascinating thing about the movie that it kind of explores that and I think and I, th- I think that's what I kind of really liked about because I didn't see that coming I didn't see that uh, kind of aspect of it now people have kind of criticized this movie because because uh, they say M. Night Shyamalan's you know he's a I believe he's a, he grew up or he went to Catholic school but he, he also his family's Hindu, like, like religious, you know, there's religious themes in his movies. And I think this is kind of maybe the most religious, I guess you could say, because it's, it's dealing with faith or believing in something bigger than yourself. But I really see it as like, kind of like, you know, a believing in a conspiracy and needing to believe the conspiracy is true because it, because your mission becomes, uh, you know, pointless if it isn't if you don't believe in it i don't know i thought it, it i thought it really hit a certain note that reflected in the times we're living in now it's not like i said it's not a perfect movie i think some of the acting is not that great the little girl could have maybe been a little bit better the couple you know jonathan groff and i believe the mm-hmm. other guy well jonathan groff is a i don't think he was that strong in the movie but his his husband in the movie uh ben aldridge i believe his name is um i thought he was really good and I think he's the a little bit better, but I mean, maybe his his characters are are written better, or his character is written better than Jonathan Groff's character. I, a lot of the characters are not fully fleshed out, but I think the idea and what the movie's trying to say about believing into into something, even as as uh, you know, apocalypse is coming. I think it was very strong. I think uh, I, I think it's it's it's. I, I was shocked at how well I uh, how much I, I liked the movie a lot, and um. Yeah, I think I think the movie was pretty good. I, I was very entertained by it, and and and, and, and yeah, I, I'm I'm shocked that the, the critics didn't didn't overwhelmingly like the movie. It got mixed reviews, and it seemed audiences didn't like the movie. Maybe they were expecting that M Night Shyamalan typical twisting because it's it's pretty much uh, straightforward. Well, yeah, uh, well, is it like a play? I heard some people say it's like a play. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a- set in the cabin, and you know, there's. There's, Maybe we're just living in a day and age where people don't want movies that people just talk. Oh uh, yeah, no, no. No, but no, I thought no, it no. did well, enough stuff to break up the monotony of of like just you know these conversation pieces. There's some things well, that that ha- you know people had to take action. It was I thought it was done well. I thought it was well, done. If the, if the mist come out came out this today, I'll be like going. That's the best picture for sure. Oh right. So um, but it's not on that level, of course. Right. But it's just an okay film. It's just a good, a decent film. It's, it's a decent streamer film, and, it, and that's all I'm saying. It's just, yeah, it didn't deserve all the hate. Yeah, you, it didn't yeah. deserve to get his ass kicked by eighty for Brady. <laughs> and it's perfectly like a per, like you were saying, like perfect streaming film. I think it's it, it'll be fine if you have Peacock. Check it out. Uh, I I would recommend it. Highly recommend it. It's a, it's a decent watch. Now, if you're expecting to be like. Oh my God, that's the most horror, you know, that's, you know, that's the greatest horror movie. No, no, this is not a horror movie. It's more of a psychological think piece about conspiracy, about, you know, believing into, you know, having faith into something that maybe you shouldn't have faith in, you know, the lengths you have to go to, to, to to believe in something. So yeah, we agree. Uh, M. Night, good movie and a pretty decent cameo from M. Night. (laughs) Well, I won't say (laughs) what, but it's. Uh, thank God he doesn't fuck it up, though. 
<laughs> Sometimes he co- he shows up and you're like, oh man, he just kind of hands up in the air, going, oh yeah, he man. sucks, he sucks <laughs> up the energy in the room. But yeah. that, I think it was a pretty decent uh, cameo. It's kind of like more of a Hitchcockian thing. Um, uh, let's talk about some of the TV shows that have just finished and that we finished watching. Uh, let's talk about Mayor of Kingstown. They just finished uh, season two. We just talked about Jeremy Renner. Uh, mm-hmm. he, before his a- horrible accident, he kind of finished this new season of, or the second season of Mayor of, Mayor of Kingstown. This is the uh, Taylor Sheridan uh, crime thriller series. Uh, Rich, what's your thoughts on season two? Unfortunately, it's another horrible accident for Jeremy Renner this year. <laughs> Um, the, the, is this much worse than the, the, the snow plow plowing them over? Uh, no, I would say no, because it, uh, it, although it was entertaining enough for, throughout the whole season, uh, we watched it pretty much the, you know, every, every episode yeah. during the week and we all pretty much all, all going, oh man, the next episode is going to be better. Yeah. Next episode is going to be better. The next episode is going to be better. And by the end, oh shit, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. loved the first season so much and I thought it was, yeah. it had so much potential. And it, it deals with kind of prison system and the crime and how prisons related to the, str- the crime on the streets. And, and you know, Jeremy Renner plays this kind of uh, middleman who kind of talks to every gangster and or every criminal aspect of, of uh, this small town in Mich- uh, Michigan. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was it's a kind of a really interesting idea for for a show. But season two was just like repetitive and. And his, you know, his, his character was just like, like it's pushed it, around. Yeah. Pushed around is a good, a good way to put it. And it, you don't want to see it. He's the best character in the, in the show. And you don't want to see him like get, like get, he was like fucked over, over by everyone in yeah. that show. And, and like, I, I just don't get it. And everyone was acting stupid and it was so intelligent in the first season and in this, I mean, yeah. first, uh, yeah, the first season and. Everyone's acting stupid in this new season or new, yeah, second season. So very big disappointment. I thought it, I thought it started off well enough, right? Um, but by the by the third, fourth, fourth episode, it just started di- di- uh, diving. Yeah, there, um, there, I want to say there's there's some good actors on this show. I mean, it's just uh, it's, it just feels very wasted in this new season. But and yeah. Taylor Sheridan, I mean, he he wasn't involved as much as as on screenwriting in this right series, he, and and I, obviously you could tell. But he's wearing himself thin. I mean, he needs another. He needs. He needs another epidemic to start writing. <laughs> he needs or slow down. Like, yeah. like, like he has like maybe five TV series in the works, and it's the first chink in the armor for me. For ta- ta- for Taylor, yeah, and not not counting that Michael B. Jordan film, of course. Not that Angelina Jolie movie either. Uh, no, because that that was just a. I think he was like brought on to that. I don't know if he was fully involved with that one also. I don't think he don't was know. fully, yeah, I don't think he was fully involved with the Michael B. Jordan one, but I think he definitely, definitely not that one. No. He definitely wrote the, the Angela Jolie one. Oh, okay. Wow. But a, a yeah. Tulsa King, though, you saw Tulsa King. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really impressed. You liked uh, that, I liked one. that one. Did he do yeah. most of the writing in that, in that, that series or was uh, it the I other guy? No, 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 no. Actually, no. That was Terrence Winter, uh, who was, the, yeah, who, who, who's from uh, Boardwalk, Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you like that show? A lot. I do. Okay. I do. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about shrinking. Uh, this is the the te- te- from the guys from who brought you Ted Lasso. Um, co- comedy series by uh, co created by Jason Siegel. It's also co created by Bill Lawrence. Also, uh, Brett Goldstein. Uh, Bill Lawrence and Goldstein is from uh, Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. And so, and this um, is also on Apple Apple TV Plus. 
Yes, and this also features Harrison Ford. That's kind of maybe the the big attraction here because Harrison mm-hmm. Ford is doing comedy for the first time. Right. Um, there's also great kind of co-starring performances here. Jessica Williams is fantastic in this. Jason uh, Siegel stars also co-stars with Harrison Ford. Uh, Krista yeah. Krista Miller is you know good in this, uh, and also a great. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it wasn't. It's not a cameo. It's like kind of a a beefed up version of cameo by Ted mm-hmm. McGinley, mm-hmm. who's great. Um, so, what's your thoughts on on the? Because we finished the first season, right? Uh, so, what's your thoughts on on shrinking? Best show on Apple TV Plus. That's for sure. It's a. It's it's much better than uh, Ted Lasso, and um, I, I'm really surprised that. Uh, Harrison Ford pulled off this this kind of role for him. Um, it's it's a role that will most likely get him nominated. If you know, if all that um, if all that praise that goes to Ted Lasso doesn't fall on this show, then this this is, is total bullshit because <laughs> Harrison Ford deserves an Emmy for this. Yeah, I would sure. say so too. I mean, he's playing a therapist, but he also is suffering from Parkinson's disease. And that plays a part in the in the in the series. Uh, Jason Segel is also play, playing a therapist, and I think the idea is that uh, therapists also have their lives in messes, or they they have, you know, they're they're dealing with their own issues. And mm-hmm. uh, Jason Segel's character is dealing with the he's grieving, he's dealing with the death of his uh, wife, and also he has to kind of uh, raise his teenage daughter, and that plays a part of it. And the teenage daughter who. Uh, is played by um, uh, Lukita Maxwell. She's fantastic. She's great. Was a great. It's the first time I've seen her do anything. I, I, she's a great find. And I, yeah, I think. But I think the main the main appeal of the show is like watching Harrison Ford do comedy pretty much for the first time. I, I he's dabbled in well, comedy, but of I mean, course, I mean, for, if, for a TV if, show. Yeah, I, I I agree with you that he deserves an Emmy nomination. I think he's great in it, and uh, I was really impressed by it. It's a very much a throwback to say uh, early two thousand comedies. You know where it's kind of the uh, the it's about the relationships, about the friendships that these people make. It's about just kind of daily life issues. It's not necessarily anything bigger than that. It's people trying to be as best as they can, try to get along. It's people helping each other, and I think that's why I kind of really enjoyed about the movie. It's really kind of a throwback to those. I don't know, early 2000s, 2010, it's tiny type of sitcoms, you know, that they don't make anymore because it seems like comedies nowadays needs to have more of a, uh, I don't know, something driving it, um, whatever. I mean, it seems a little more gritty or a little, maybe a little more deadpan, I guess, nowadays. But this is kind of like a, like a throwback to those, those type of sitcoms back in the early 2010s or something. When I think when I think of sitcom, I think of a whatever like a four camera right, <laughs> one right. set. Well, okay, maybe comedy series, but I mean, we live in a time where Succession is considered a comedy <laughs> or something yeah. like that. I don't know. It's like that's what I'm saying. This is definitely a lighthearted kind of, uh, you know, relationship centric comedy series. And mm-hmm. I think Jason Segel. I should also mention Jason Segel is very good in it too, as definitely. as the main lead in in this series. But yeah, I, I highly recommend it. it's available on Apple TV plus right now. The first season just kind of finished its run and it's, it was very good. I, you know, it's surprisingly not a lot of people are talking about it. I don't know why, uh, but I, I, I thought more people would talk about it. just, just on the, on the, on the Harrison Ford bit, you know, I thought 
but I, I haven't really heard anybody really talk about the show and I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Right. Right. All right. Let's, let's talk about uh, uh, something that you've been watching and something that you, I was surprised that you actually really enjoyed this. This is season three, I believe of Star Trek Picard. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's still going on, but yeah. Um, uh, it's making Picard. a comeback. Definitely. <laughs> Because I first I saw like the first two, maybe three episodes of Star Trek Picard season one, mm-hmm. and I dropped that shit hard. <laughs> uh, and then and then and then I saw season you know highlights of season two, and I was just I was going, I'm glad I didn't finish that shit because <laughs> it was season two looked even worse. And everyone uh, and all the reviews for season three were positive, and everyone mm-hmm. was saying they they made a comeback. They they right the wrongs of the last two seasons. I should I should say that you're a fan of. Uh, Next generation. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of I'm a fan of the original Star Trek and Next Generation, mm-hmm. and um, I even started the Star Trek Discovery, mm-hmm. and that was a big old disappointment right <laughs> away too. And and um, but I, I I went to Picard thinking hoping that it was it was good, mm-hmm. and of course denied. And um, but then I saw that but then I saw the first teasers of uh, Star Trek Picard mm-hmm. season three, right? And then I go hmm. I might have to give this a shot. By the last trailer, by the last trailer, uh, I said, "Yeah, I gotta watch it." Uh, and then, yeah, it was fantastic. And I think the latest episode was episode six, and I can't wait for the next episode. It, it's, it's so far, if if I'm amazed by this uh, new uh, writer involved with it, the, the, show, the, new, the new showrunner, the showrunner, yeah. yeah. Um, because the each each uh, this is a traditional um, screenwriting where they where they end it with a, a great uh, cliffhanger at the end. And mm-hmm. that's what I really enjoy. Um, well, I so. think people have been saying that this is like more of a, uh, of a, a, a more appropriate send off of, of next generation. Cause a lot of the, uh, car- the original cast members are coming back in this season. Oh yeah. And so, and apparently there was insurrection was the last uh, next generation f- uh, movie. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really, it, it was a terrible reviewed movie. People didn't like it. So this was a better send off of that original cast. Would you agree on that? It is definitely so far. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and some of there, there are some elements into it that they, they bring in nostalgia pieces. Like the last episode, they brought in a, uh, uh, Moriarty or anything they called it. And I go, ah, that's just stupid. <laughs> and it is stupid. It is stupid, but it only took like, luckily it only took like, you know, a minute and a half or whatever worth of time off that episode. I was fine. Right. They didn't focus on, on some of those yeah. callbacks. Yeah. I'm glad that the, they know exactly how much to push and that's it. So you're, you're saying that you're like, you're watching Picard season three and you love it. And I'm, I'm an amazed. I'm so far. <laughs> I'm totally amazed that, I, that, that, uh, you know what? I'm, um, I might actually start watching strange new world. All right, let's uh, let's end this episode with a really quick review of Daisy Jones and the Six. Uh, Raymond, did you? Because uh, we were talking no, about <laughs> we talked about this earlier, and uh, we got to I think w- we watched maybe the first four episodes when we start talking on a previous episode, and we were highly, uh, you know, uh, highly we recommended a little bit. I mean, we recommended mm-hmm. you to watch it. Now we finally saw the final four episodes or final five episodes of that uh, show. It was uh, 10 episodes. It was a 10, it was, yeah, it's, it's 10 episodes. Uh, it finally ended its run. Uh, I would, let me just say this. I think the final, the final episodes were more of a disappointment. I think it's, it's it, not like it's 
it started very strong. It started solidly. Uh, it, it certainly this final season or final episode, like really got into tropes and like soap opera type levels of, of, you know, things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, it, it has diminished my, my enthusiasm of the show. But I, I still think it's a good show, but not, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think Raymond would like this show. Yeah. I would say in the beginning, I thought it, was, it would be something that he would enjoy. After watching the whole thing, I think it's not something that Raymond would li- like. I think a lot of people would like it. But I don't know. Rich, what, what was your feelings of like kind of the final uh, episodes of, of this first season? Or I guess final season. I don't think there's coming back, but of, da- of Daisy uh, Jones and the Sick. Yeah. Like you, I mean, uh, um, but we saw the first couple episodes and we agree that it's, it was good enough to try. Mm-hmm. And, and if you like the, the first three episodes, continue on mm-hmm. watching it with us and or like us. And then, um, yeah, by the, by the final episode, I, I kind of enjoyed the final episodes. If that's, you know, that's gotta be the, you know, the nail in the, uh, on the coffin for it, right. I believe. Yeah. And, um, but there was some corny stuff that happened. Yeah, there was. <laughs> it, it seemed like they should have, like, uh, uh, they should have stretched the, 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 some of the things involved in near the end. Mm-hmm. They should have put that more in the middle. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Or but, whatever. I mean, you know, to just to recap, this is a show that's set in the 70s. It's set on a, set around a fictional rock band. Yeah. Fleetwood uh, Mac inspired. Yeah. And, they say they're inspired by Fleetwood Mac I, after watching the first season. This is nothing like Fleetwood Mac. I wish no. it was a little more like Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it's really just like kind of a relationship between the two lead singers or front people, uh, Riley Jones, Kilo, right. Daisy, yeah. and and the six or the front Billy, who is the front front person of the six. Uh, Riley Kilo Keo, who is uh, I guess best known for Mad Mad uh, Mad, um, Mad Max uh, Fury Road. A lot of different things, and but she's also the granddaughter of Elvis and uh, the daughter of uh, the late Lisa Marie Presley. Lisa Marie Presley, uh, Sam Claflin. I thought who's actually very, very. Both of them are very, very good in the show, and he's you know he's kind of known for the Hunger Games. He's in a lot of different things. Those are probably the reason why I would recommend the show. They're, I think their performances are great. They they're great together. I think they're they're the the solid kind of foundation of the show. But I think the, 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 some of the writing of it, some of it felt, like I said, once we get to the end, it feels a little more soap opera, a little more of that CW vibe that I didn't want. And maybe that's because it was based on a, you know, a best-selling book and maybe this stuff happens in the book. But I wish, I wish it would have been a little more gritty, a little more, more like Fleetwood Mac story or, you know, whatever rock band uh, of, the, of the 70s. Or the Eagles, you know, or something like that. And mm-hmm. at the end. <laughs> it was very Eagles at the last episode. Well, yeah, yeah. But at the end, I think I think it just kind of felt in more of that kind of melodrama that I I, I thought you know, I you know there was points where I started cracking up like oh they're really yeah. going there, <laughs> but there are moments again, you know as much as I think you know there's you know funny moments of melodrama then there are moments where it's you know very very genuine and, and sentimental and I thought that was done well and so it's a mixed bag for me but I, I unfortunately there was a um, opportunity or, or or potential to be like kind of a great rock miniseries but it, it's ultimately an okay one it's just an okay like a an okay kind of miniseries 
Yeah, and uh, I was kind of impressed by the the, uh, the uh, concert scenes where the where it, it seemed like they spent a lot on, on special uh, effects, special effects to show that it, that the to, uh, to show that they were actually in concerts. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, it, it seemed like an expensive show. Uh, Raymond, I would say you could skip this one because I know you kind of hate that sentimental stuff in it. Uh, I, I, I like I said, I, I think I think. It's funny because it's not that I hate sentimental stuff. I just hate when it's like, you know, forced on that. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's so funny. Cause I, th- I do like Riley, Riley Keough in this, mo- in the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and when, when she's acting in, in it, she's really good. And it's doesn't, it, it goes beyond kind of the sentimentality of it. Uh, but then the other character, there are, you know, other people in the cast members who are, you know, not as talented, I would say. I was really shocked about uh, Sam Kaflin. Uh He's good too. They're both equally good. Uh, unfortunately, like the other cast members are not up to their level. You know, up to par. Yeah. It's funny because Timothy Oliphant did come back for the final episodes, <laughs> yeah. and his hair is crazy. Hair. Wig did come back, and we we're making fun of that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 it's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Because I think it, they I'm had done it. with fake cigarettes, man. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I see cigarettes, being smoke. Dick. All right, what, so the movie. Yeah, because they take two hits and or whatever, and then they throw it on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's your pet peeve. Well, that I've seen, and, people, I've seen people that do that in real, in real life. <laughs> well, yeah, pose. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, th- I think there are people that have like, um, oh, like. Addiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say this, and here's a positive: it does finish the, the storyline. It does finish the story. You know, this is definitely a mini series. This, I, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know if they're going to do a second season, uh, but it, it it is a finished story. So yeah. that's a that's a that's a good thing. You know, it doesn't yeah. leave anything open for for anything else. You know, so it, it does finish its story, the story of this group. Uh all right. That's it for this episode of Insight Flicks. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with more topics. Bye bye, everyone. Gotta go. <laughs>